office of his Terrytown estate, he directed against the enormous hypothetical enemy, unrighteousness, a campaign which went on through fifteen years, during which he displayed himself a rabid monomaniac, an unqualified nuisance, and an intolerable bore. The year in which this story opens found him wearying. His campaign had grown desultory, 1861 was creeping up slowly on 1895. His thoughts ran a great deal on the Civil War, somewhat on his dead wife and son, almost infinitesimally on his grandson Anthony. Early in his career, Adam Patch had married an anemic lady of thirty, Alicia Withers, who brought him one hundred thousand dollars and an impeccable entree into the banking circles of New York. Immediately, and rather spunkily, she had borne him a son, and, as if completely devitalized by the magnificence of this performance, she had thenceforth effaced herself with the shadowy dimensions of the nursery. The boy, Adam Ulysses Patch, became an inveterate joiner of clubs, connoisseur of good form, and driver of tandems. At the astonishing age of twenty-six, he began his memoirs under the title New York Society as I have seen it. On the rumor of its conception, this work was eagerly bid for among publishers, but as it proved after his death to be immoderately verbose and overpoweringly dull, it never obtained even a private printing. This Fifth Avenue Chesterfield married at twenty-two. His wife was Henrietta Lebrun, the Boston Society Contralto, and the single child of the Union was, at the request of his grandfather, christened Anthony Comstock Patch. When he went to Harvard, the Comstock dropped out of his name to another hell of oblivion and was never heard of thereafter. Young Anthony had one picture of his father and mother together. So often had it faced his eyes in childhood that it had acquired the impersonality of furniture— but everyone who came into his bedroom regarded it with interest. It showed a dandy of the nineties, spare and handsome, standing beside a tall, dark lady with a muff and the suggestion of a bustle. Between them was a little boy with long brown curls, dressed in a velvet Lord Fauntleroy suit. This was Anthony at five, the year of his mother's death. His memories of the Boston Society Contralto were nebulous and musical. She was a lady who sang, sang, sang in the music room of their house on Washington Square, sometimes with guests scattered all about her, the men with their arms folded, balanced breathlessly on the edges of sofas, the women with their hands in their laps, occasionally making little whispers to the men and always clapping very briskly and uttering cooing cries after each song, and often she sang to Anthony alone, in Italian or French, or in a strange and terrible dialect which she imagined to be the speech of the southern negro. His recollections of the gallant Ulysses, the first man in America to roll the lapels of his coat, were much more vivid. After Henrietta Lebrun Patch had joined another choir, as her widower huskily remarked from time to time, father and son lived up at Grandpa's in Terrytown, and Ulysses came daily to Anthony's nursery and expelled pleasant, 
thick-smelling words for sometimes as much as an hour. He was continually promising Anthony hunting trips and fishing trips and excursions to Atlantic City. Oh, sometime soon now. But none of them ever materialized. One trip they did take. When Anthony was eleven, they went abroad, to England and Switzerland, and there in the best hotel in Lucerne, his father died with much sweating and grunting and crying aloud for air. In a panic of despair and terror, Anthony was brought back to America, wedded to a vague melancholy that was to stay beside him through the rest of his life. Past and Person of the Hero At eleven, he had a horror of death. Within six impressionable years, his parents had died and his grandmother had faded off almost imperceptibly until for the first time.